Welcome to Shift Happens. I'm your host, Patrice Wilson. Together, we'll make internal shifts that will transform your inner and outer world. Let's get started. Welcome to part two of my interview with internationally known spiritual teacher, Colleen Lemma. Colleen is an astrologer, numerologist, intuitive reader, life coach, certified in hypnosis and past life regression. She's a Reiki master, as well as an ordained minister. Most recently, Colleen finished getting her certification in Akashic Records reading. For more than 20 years, she's been assisting clients individually and as groups and teaching online classes and assisting her clients and her students in their evolutionary journey of growth and healing through spiritual guidance. Colleen taps into the divine light of the higher realms, working with archangels, ascended masters, star brothers and sisters, and ancestors of the highest vibration of light to bring empowerment into a person's life. Colleen does use a very unique combination of astrology, numerology, divination cards, and blends that with a person's astrological chart and their soul name vibration, and then connects with the client's personal angels and guides. Colleen has a very unique way of working. She has a really fascinating background and personal history, and I'm thrilled to welcome her back to part two of our interview and Shifting into Healing. Welcome to another episode of Shift Happens. I am thrilled to welcome back my dear friend, Colleen Lemma. Thanks for coming back, Colleen. Oh, thank you for having me, Patrice. Well, I'm thrilled. Um, This is part two of the discussion that we've had. And the first discussion, we were talking about shifting into healing, shifting into spiritual awareness, and you so beautifully shared with us your own personal life experience. And we touched on a little bit about your childhood and the trauma of childhood. So here we've saved that discussion for part two. And the theme really of part two is shifting the wounded child into healing and forgiveness. So let's just kind of open up this discussion and we'll see where it takes us. So Colleen, can you share with our listeners a little bit, um, however comfortable you feel uh, sharing some of your early childhood experiences in the family that you grew up in? Sure. Um, my father was an abusive alcoholic and my mom was more of the codependent victim role, if you will. And when I grew up as a child, there was uh, different types of abuse going on. There was some physical abuse, uh, hitting, slapping, pushing. There was emotional and mental abuse, uh, some like mockery and belittling and gaslighting. Um, I would say, although I don't like to use labels in this, you know, time period of my life, I will say that if if there was a label for my dad, you know, besides abuser, there was some definite narcissistic qualities uh, about him. So, you know, in some of that physical, emotional, mental abuse, I mean, there was witnessing some of the abuse that happened to my mother, um, first off. And then later on, it started to trickle down to me, my brother, and my sister. So, uh, again, the, the pushing, the the slapping, um, you know, there was some specific incidents that kind of run, run through my mind, like, um, 
the time my dad tried to run my mother over with a vehicle oh and she had to kind of jump into the ditch to kind of get away from him. There was uh, uh, instances with my brother, my sister and myself where we would lock ourselves in our bedroom because of his ragefulness and anger and and at times, because he would then try to kind of pick the lock and get into the room, we oftentimes took out the screen from the window and, you know, ran out the window and into the backwoods just to kind of get away. So it was some pretty heavy duty, you know, things that we went through growing up. Do you feel like those early childhood experiences um, caused you to grow your gift of empathy. So before you come in the house, if you knew your dad was home, you're kind of sending out that energy to feel what's gone on in the room, what the mood is. Absolutely. Um, to the, you know, the gift of clairsentience, you know, that you're feeling or sensing you, it starts to really fine tune. And of course I didn't know what that was back then growing up wasn't until on that I understood the, the clairs and the psychic senses uh, a little bit more when I redirected my path, but definitely that ability to tap into other people's emotions and being empathic and feeling the energy of the room, to what may or may not happen really definitely increased for me when I was growing up. And did you notice, um, Really, when we're children and we're using those gifts, because I had that same experience of using it in that way, um, you start to unconsciously use it no matter where you're at, walking into school, going to a friend's home. Did you find yourself as a child that that just kind of became a secondary part of everything you did? Absolutely. And even as you're just now saying it, it comes to mind that when I was in school, I would always sit kind of in the back of the classroom, kind of hiding away in the corner and not really speaking or talking. I was not a very extroverted child. I was very shy. And I think that that was part of, you know, tuning into other people's emotions and even their their thoughts being projected at me and not feeling that insecurity that one would feel as a child growing up in an abusive household. So yes. Yeah. So do you feel that there were times in your childhood and then as you moved into uh, your teenage years, that that gift of clairsentience and these other gifts that you were really unconsciously developing in it's somewhat of a conscious way, because you're using it as a mechanism to keep yourself safe. Did you find that you were able to keep yourself safer especially in the when your father would have these rages that you were able to use those gifts to kind of figure out moments before he was going to go in a rage and you could keep your brother and yourself safe and your sister. Yes, we would definitely have a sense of, you know, first of all, we knew when he was coming home from work more than likely. However, there were often times that he would just go straight from work to the bar and spend his, you know, afternoons and evenings there. But you, you know, you, you got to a place or I got to a place where you could start to sense when he was going to come home, when you had to kind of retreat to your room, lock the door, you know, not show yourself, not engage um, and just kind of hope for the best. So, yeah, definitely. I can I can definitely see that um, in retrospect. 
So as you were growing up too, and then going into adulthood, did you ever have the experience of you were so used to, as you walked into the house and if your dad was there, you're kind of looking for exits, you know, you're looking for ways to get out of the room. Did you find that that spilled over into your life when you go to friends' homes, to school or to work and other locations, that this was an automatic response of I'm looking for other ways to get out of this room to keep myself safe? Again, in retrospect, because you're saying it, sure, I can I can see that probably now. I think that I felt maybe though a little safer in school, even though I was shy and and not really social. Um, I didn't feel necessarily threatened by the adults in school or not even really not physically threatened anyway by the children, although I, I did have a lot of, you know, teasing as normally goes on in, in grade school, middle school, high school, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I can see that again in retrospect where maybe, you know, in the cafeteria, I'd sit near the door to the exit, you know, that I could be the first to leave. Um, and not so much even in friends' homes, though. If I had a friend, I would tend to trust them. I didn't, it didn't fall over into a non-trust of all people. It was more of a sensitivity and maybe non-trust of men or male authority, especially. Um, so in relationships as I got older, sure. Yeah, I can even see that, you know, even almost up to the present day where, you know, the side of the bed I might sleep on might be the one closest to the door to exit the bedroom. And again, it's kind of an unconscious thing a lot of the times. It's true. I know that for myself, that was a big part of my childhood was um, once my mother, her second husband was extremely abusive. And um, I learned, you know, by age, you know, five and a half, six years old, I'm looking for the exits. I'm looking for the safe places to go and be. And I realized, um, really, I was doing that until I was in my 40s. And I caught myself and it really was, I was having these conscious reactions. And I knew exactly why I was doing it. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't hidden in the recesses of my mind. But it's just amazing how when you're younger, and you develop that, that you you realize it's it becomes an automatic habit, like walking and breathing. And until you catch yourself and you can say to your adult self, we're, we're safe, we're okay, and you're going to be fine. But um, And I don't find myself doing this as often. Um, probably, you know, I've cut back a good 80%, I would say, you know, but... Um, the gift it, of it awareness, is a, right? Yeah, it's that awareness, but it is really interesting, um, the reaction in childhood. And I really uh, love what you said, because when you said that not all adults, you know, you tended to go to a friend's home and and trust them. And do you think that that was your empathic ability, feeling out the adults in that home? And you're like, I feel, I know I'm safe here. I'm comfortable here. Absolutely. And again, I probably didn't have the awareness at first of doing that. But, you know, the more you walk your spiritual path, as, as long as I've been on the path, you know, good 25 or more years, I would say, and you start to gain greater and greater awareness. And, you know, even walking into a grocery store or any other establishment, and you can kind of just feel the energy vibe of the room or the, the you know, establishment, the building. And you might not pinpoint where it's coming from or why, and it might not even be a person that's there at the moment. It might be some leftover residue energy, but you definitely start to tune into some of those subtle 
energies and the, um, you know, the imprints or, or whatnot that have been left behind from people's previous interactions there or just, you know, what's been going on there at all, really. Yeah, it's really amazing when you have these, when you're really in tune and conscious of these spiritual gifts and these energetic gifts, because it's spiritual and energy, um, that when you're conscious of it, um, kind of the life that you live when, like you said, you walk into a grocery store or a store or a person's home or a place of business, how you just innately use those gifts to automatically feel things out, even if it's sometimes before you leave your home. I mean, have you ever had times where you just changed plans? You're like, well, I was going out the door and something feels very off about this plan going to that location. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I remember different times. I mean, just, you know, driving down the road and taking a certain route home from somewhere and something in my mind, and this was early on before I started to have the greater awareness of what was going on, but I, I would get this kind of like, oh, you need to go down this side street and take a different route home. And I just would ignore it. And then, you know, in that particular instance that I'm talking about, uh, almost got in a car accident. Mm. Thank goodness, you know, I had some angels on the on my shoulders or something that diverted yeah. it. But if I had listened to that, you know, intuition, that that energetic prompt to begin with, I would have avoided that whole thing to begin with. Yeah, it's amazing how when we have... Um early childhood trauma. And of course, every person does. And every person has different levels of trauma. Sometimes it's just a one-time experience. Sometimes it's like, you know, your example of what you lived in, what you grew up in, um, how it can shape us as far as like fears that we may have or gifts, the many gifts that you have and gifts that I have that are unfolded and that we can become aware of. And it's really incredible. Um, because now that, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way and, and tell me if you don't, that you look back in your childhood and though these experiences were really difficult, do you feel gratitude for these experiences and how they've helped you to develop and grow absolutely. and shift? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's part of our, you know, evolution and growth. It's part of our what our soul chose to um, experience to bring out those gifts within us to bring out our empowerment, you know, and yes, they're challenging. Yes, they're difficult. And yes, there's free will, you know, everything didn't have to go down necessarily the way it did. Because, right. you know, my parents had free will, you know, uh, other adults in my life or or significant others later on, they had free will, but but we, you know, we choose certain things from other lifetimes that we need to attend to basically that we need to heal within ourselves and even though it's not that we're deserving any of this energy that's coming at us from other people but it's the gifts again like you said that it brings this sense of strength and courage and confidence and self-value and, and and empowerment that's the gifts that come for sure Beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you. Once you got a little bit older, you know, you got out of um, elementary school and junior high school, you're, you're stepping more into your power um, as a teenager, you know, 14, 15, 16 years of age, uh, starting to step into the world. You've got um, friends that you're going out with, you're learning to drive, getting jobs. So now you're really out in the world as well as still living at home and you're starting to gain a different uh 
you're maturing, you're maturing emotionally and mentally. What was your relationship like with your siblings and your father um, in that situation? How was that abuse situation developing uh, when you reached that age in high school? For me, I almost think that it became worse, to be honest. Um, You know, there was some good things about it because especially as you get into driving age, right? And if if you're lucky enough to have a vehicle at your disposal, you can kind of escape that craziness of the home situation. But as you're in your teens and early adulthood, you know, if you're still living at home and whatnot in 18, 19, 20 years old, you're now in this place where you're gaining independence and and wanting some freedom. But yet, if you're living with parents that are abusive or addicted or narcissistic or, you know, whatever it might be that that their dysfunction is, they might also be, you know, all uh, almost become a little bit more abusive to try to kind of keep you down, to hold, you know, hold your sense of independence under their thumb, so to speak. So they might almost, you know, uh, expand their negative energy projections towards you. So that can become a little bit more difficult for sure. And and two, when you're a teenager, you know, you're starting to then think about dating, right? Relationships. And again, my friendships, you know, friendship relationships were not a problem for me. It was more the romantic sort of uh, relationships where, you know, because of the childhood scenario I grew up in, well, you tend to attract what you know. And so right. what I knew was addiction and anger and abuse. And so in that way, too, not just only getting a little bit more challenging and difficult with my father during those teenage years, but it became more difficult in romantic sorts of you know, dating relationships that we're starting to develop. That's so true. That's a great example because you do, you gravitate towards what you know, what you recognize as, because if you're living in that energy too, in that belief system, you know, it's a magnet. You're drawing what you're putting out. You're, you're drawing to you. Did you find that with friends as well? Not just in romantic relationships. Did you find that you had friends as well that were a little, let's say emotionally abusive or verbally abusive, or were you able to kind of have friends that, that weren't that way? I did not have friends that were that way, but I will say as I got older into adulthood and had um, jobs, I did have some job experiences where the employer was that way. And it wasn't always a man either. I've had experiences with women employers that were very abusive, um, gaslighting and all of that as well that emulated that you know, energy growing up with my father. But I was lucky with friendships. I mean, I I tended to attract um, friends that were pretty balanced and supportive. Now, I will say that I wasn't necessarily one that had friendships with guys or men, um, either, you know, in school or when I got into adulthood. It took It took a while of you know, doing some healing work and some expanded awareness and being on the path before I started to develop friendships with men. And I don't know necessarily why that might have been, but the friends that I had in school, they were, they were good. That's good. 
Now, what about your mother during all of this uh, time? I mean, she saw what was going on. Did she would did she ever put herself between you and your brother and sister? Or was it just difficult for her because she was so beaten down, do you think? It was a little bit of both. She oftentimes would just stay silent and she would, you know, not say anything. She she often with my dad would play the silent treatment and just stay away. It got to a point later on that she wouldn't even sleep in the same bedroom with him. So she slept, you know, in the living room every night. Um, but when it got to a particular point, like when he started really coming after um, my sister or my brother or myself and started to kind of cross a certain line that she had in her mind, she would then step in and she would say something. I wouldn't say she'd physically like step in between, but she would definitely verbalize, you know, and tell him, you know, to, to stop or, you know, whatever it was that came into her mind about the situation. Do you think that your mom had grown up in a cycle of abuse and that was, you know, within her partner that she chose your dad, that that's what she recognized and and just knew in life as well? Well, that is so interesting. It's such an interesting question that has baffled me because most of the time the answer would be yes, that she grew up in an abusive, addictive household as well. But honestly, I did not see that with my grandmother and grandfather, my mom's parents. She always claimed that she had a wonderful, great childhood. I'm sure, you know, as in any childhood, there was things going on. But she, you know, said that everything was fine and there wasn't any abusive tendencies. There wasn't any um, addictive tendencies. I never really saw my grandparents you know, drinking till they were drunk or under the influence. They might have, you know, a glass of wine or something in the evening, but it wasn't abused in any way. But the interesting thing is, is that my mom and her two sisters all married alcoholic abusers. And so I can't really figure out for the life of me if it goes beyond, like if it goes to the grandparents then, you know, if there was something there and I didn't really know my great grandparents honestly, that well. So I don't know if it like skipped a generation, but normally the case would be that, you know, my mom would have grown up in that kind of household as well. Now I will say my dad did grow up in an abusive alcoholic household where his dad was the alcoholic, but was the quiet one. And his mother, who was not the alcoholic, was the abusive one. Oh, wow. She was the perpetrator of the abuse. Yes. How interesting is that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, in a situation like your like your mother's, you know, it could be a number of things. It could be that uh, karmic, what it's coming down the karmic family line, that energy line, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me. And uh, there's work to be done there. Um, you know, the karmic account between <clears throat> that karmic spiritual account between her father and you from a previous life or or, uh, you know, some con- some contract they entered into and in that pre-existence in which she said and he said, I want to learn these lessons and and I'll play this part and you play that part. There's so many interesting ways to look at something like that that does. And I think that if we can look at things like that from a spiritual and energetic perspective and from the perspective of, wow, I chose to play this part and you chose to play that part, we agreed upon it. When we can look at it in that way, when it comes to abuse, 
Do you feel like it takes some of the deeper pain away from from what has happened? It, it puts it in a different place of understanding, perhaps. I'd say it does. It, it, you definitely have a different perspective on it, especially if you can look at with objectivity your own parents' upbringing, like in the case with my dad, that he grew up in that kind of household with both parents playing different, you know, kinds of roles with the addiction and the abuse. And so, if you can get to a certain point in your self awareness and you know your evolution and growth, you can almost have then compassion for the parent who was addicted and abusive in the first place. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, forgetting what happened, but if you can come to a place of forgiveness and understanding and have some compassion in your soul, then it does kind of help to uh, bring you into a different place as far as the healing journey is concerned. That's true. And it's uh, it's about relieving your own self of the poison that has um, been placed in that body over time and relieving yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and energetically of that poison. So as you, as you grew up and you uh, came into adulthood, did you ever have the opportunity to face your father about the trauma that, uh, and the abuse? Did you ever, is that something you'd like to share with us perhaps? Sure. Sure. Um, I'd say it was probably, a good 20 years ago, I'm guessing, I don't recall the the year exactly it was, but at a certain point after having done some work for a few years, after, you know, getting redirected onto my spiritual path a little bit more, um, I did decide that I wanted to have a conversation with him. And I'm one that likes to have conversations face to face, if at all possible. It wasn't like I was Uh, you know, afraid of any physical retaliation from him at that point, because he was much older, he did kind of calm his energies down a little bit in that regard. So I decided to, you know, drive five hours from where I was currently living to where he was and meet him at a restaurant and just have that kind of conversation with him. I don't think he knew what it was all about, what was coming. And I just told him that I forgave him um, for everything that occurred when I was growing up as a child. And he was a little taken aback and, you know, he was surprised. And I, I did say, you know, as I continued my conversation with him, I said, I just, I don't want to come into another lifetime and do this with you again, because I do recall a previous lifetime that I had with him that was the same kind of roles where I was the child and he was the alcoholic abuser. And I had died in that lifetime very, very young um, from his abuse. So when I said that to him about not wanting to live another lifetime with him and having to do that again, so I wanted to like let go and forgive and, and whatnot. He looked surprised but didn't say anything about the past life because he's not of the same belief system. He, in fact, to me, he didn't really have any spiritual belief system when we were growing up. But he did look at me and said, so you forgive me. So you're not going to hold on to any bitterness or anger. And it's not really like my dad to have some sort of a deep conversation like this. So even him saying just that simple sentence was pretty profound to hear from him. And I said, yes, I'm not holding on to any bitterness or anger. 
I, I want to let it go. And I, you know, and I want you to let it go too and heal because I don't want you to have to come back in another lifetime and, and deal with this kind of energy. So that was a huge kind of turning point, I guess, for me. I won't say that it healed our relationship to where we were, you know, great friends or anything, but it definitely healed something within me and allowed me to, you know, move forward and move on with my own evolution and growth and spiritual journey. And how did, how did you feel as you were driving away from that meeting that on that day? Oh, it was like such a, such a relief, you know, an energetic burden that was just lifted. You know, you feel lighter, you feel, you feel confident you feel empowered because you spoke your truth. You know, you said something that maybe your little inner child might have been afraid to say when you were growing up and even afraid to say as an adult. And I think that's an important point, too, is that even with greater awareness as an adult, we still have an inner child that's wounded and we do have to take care of and nurture him or her and, you know, bring healing to them, uh, you know, from us as like an adult to our inner child as the aspect of us that's still the child, we still have to foster and heal that relationship. That's so true. And we have to allow and let that inner child know that I'm an adult now and I'm going to take care of you and we're good. We're going to move through this. And uh, that's really beautiful. That's a powerful uh, experience and opportunity that you gave yourself to release that poison and to step into deeper healing. Uh, so many people don't have the courage to do something like that face to face. So, um, you know, I honor you for doing that. That is, that's a really hard thing to do. Nowadays, we're, we're in a society that we, where we text and we email, right? And uh, some people would send a video message so that they've made the video, the person can see, can see it, but they're not um, energetically um, and interpersonally in, in one another space in real time. And uh, so, yeah, for you to have done that in person, is uh that's a takes a great deal of courage and good for you. I think that you probably really uh broke a lot of chains that day, released a lot of karma and uh helped to bring yourself into healing but also helped to push your father unknowingly into healing. I know that your father passed away um not too long ago this past fall of 2022 and, and I'm sorry for your loss. Um but I, I'm sure that that experience that you that you gifted yourself and him with and then changed a little bit of the dynamics of the relationship that you had for the next, you know, 19 to 20 years. Um, I'm sure that that probably went a long way for him as he crossed over um, into his own healing, as he was able to kind of step into looking at his life on earth, that, that uh, reflecting and, and watching his own earth, earth experience movie, so to speak. And he was able to put himself in your shoes, your mother's, your brother and sisters and um, anyone else that had ever been in his angry, abusive past path. And I'm sure that uh, the gift that you offered him years later went, has gone a long way. So good, good for you, because that is a very powerful gift to give yourself and someone else who has hurt you and and, and forgiveness, issuing forgiveness does not mean, like you said earlier, that I'm saying that everything that happened is fine. We're not letting someone off the hook. But forgiveness first happens for ourselves 
we have to be able to allow ourselves that gift and it does shift and change our hearts. And um, as that happens and there's an expansion and healing that continues to take place, we do change. We change in elevation of vibration of light and love and our own awareness and wisdom and experience expands beyond our own ability to understand because now we've asked for the help of the divine, whoever that is for, uh, for you or for anyone else. And for me, that would be the, that would be Jesus Christ and the Christ consciousness. And, and I know that we cannot change ourselves on our own. We have to ask for the divine's help um, to smooth out the rough edges of our personality, to help us see beyond our own understanding to give us wisdom beyond our own understanding, and most of all, to do what you did, which is to have courage. You need to ask that spiritual team, I need courage to step forward and to face this person. And I hope whoever is listening to this, um, who's contemplating something like this, that you can find the courage and ask your spirit team, ask for divine help to step forward and to give you the courage and the energy and the ability to stand in front of someone who's hurt you and to speak your truth and to do it with confidence, with courage and knowing that you're safe and that you do hold all the cards because we do hold all the power. Do you feel that way now as an adult looking back that you, you always had the power to make these changes because even as a child, you could have said something intentionally to, to really piss your dad off and to send him after you, right. Or to, hold your tongue and to go into another room, right? You. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I would say that it, it might be a little bit more challenging and difficult when you are still under the roof of, of the abuser for it sure. Yes. But I was a bit of a rebel. I was the oldest of three children. And I will say that as a little bit of a rebel, I would often stand in between him and my mother when he was coming to her, or I would often speak my truth uh, you know, and and kind of like raise my voice, you know, a little bit and and tell him, you know, this isn't okay. Um, other times, you again, you read kind of the room, you read the situation. Other times, you know, you just kind of go and and kind of find some safety, right? So it just depends. But I think that it's definitely easier when you're an adult, you know, than it is when you're a child under that roof. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And yeah, and I was like you, it's like there were times I just had to stand up and just, you know, be the defiant one. And, um, and again, reading the room and knowing when you should, when you should step back. I remember my stepfather, um, my mother was married to uh, my stepfather for about 32 years. And I think um, when I was in my early 30s, he and I were having a, a conversation, maybe I was in my later 30s, he had just had open heart surgery and was recovering and I'd gone down South to see him. And um, my mother had five children. He had three children from a previous marriage. So there's eight kids. Though It was only us younger three that he helped raise. And then he and my mother had a child together. And I remember um, him talking about, you know, when everyone was together, there would be a lot of fighting and stuff like this. And I remember him saying to me one time, you know, I would rather deal with all other eight kids at the same time when they're angry than dealing with you. Cause I was the defiant one. He was, there was definitely some abuse on his part um, from time to time, which he did apologize for. And I said, well, dad, why would you say that? And he said, because he said, um, 
anytime that uh, there was an argument with you, you wielded the sword of truth. And the truth was so, he goes, you just were so defiant and so happily wielded that truth. And he goes, and it, it was painful because I knew anytime that you said it, it was true. And truth is really hard to hear from someone who is being abusive and aggressive and they can't handle hearing the truth. But he said, boy, he said, that was you, you fought dirty. You fought with the truth. And that really always struck me. It's something I've thought about a lot for the last 25 years or so that he said that because, um, boy, it does take a lot of courage to stand up and speak your truth, whether you are younger in the house of the abuser or outside of that. And people who are abusive, who are emotionally challenged and they have a lot of trauma, truth is something they cannot handle hearing. It is, it sends them, it's a pain point. It's like, you know, it's like a throat punch to them or a uh, pretty swift uh, kick in the crotch if you're a guy. And it's a serious pain pain point. And they have really great difficulty hearing truth. So, um, again, kudos to you, even as a teenager at times when you were able to be defiant and, and be that person standing between your dad and one of your siblings or your mom. That takes a lot of courage to do that. So. Um, you know, as we're looking over this last 25 years that you've been on this really deep healing path, and as you, I know that there were times that in, towards the end of your dad's life, he was really ill and you would, you were going back and forth trying to see him and, and uh, deal with that. What were some of the things and, and techniques that you have used in these latter years that help you move through trauma and pain? What are some of the healing techniques that you use that you found that have been especially helpful for you to, to, to come over a really difficult emotional hurdle? Well, I've, I've found, you know, that anything from, from just using, you know, essential oils and flower essences to change vibration can help. Uncensored journaling have, have been uh, really profound when you do just kind of this uncensored journaling, releasing of feelings or, you know, having your higher self give you messages and whatnot and uh, guidance along the way. That can be really profound. profound. Um, meditation, I don't know what I would do without meditation, which can include not just, you know, sitting and meditating, but walks in nature, you know, especially for me, I love to just be out in nature and do some walking to kind of balance and regain my center um, as well. So I'd also say that, you know, some of the techniques that I've learned along the way with what I do now, I mean, <clears throat> past life regression, you know, has been very healing, other types of healing modalities, Reiki and, and other things. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just working with, with crystals even. Um, and being able to read my own records now, now that I'm getting to be certified. certified. So there's definitely a lot of things that you know one can do can support their healing journey um but i'd say you know for anybody simplistically speaking i think i think being kind of with self and self-reflection or meditation nature or journaling you know aside from having all these other healing modalities if you don't if you haven't learned them it's fine because you can do these simple things to kind of ground yourself and center yourself Thank you. As we come uh, towards the end of our conversation here, um, you've shared some incredible, beautiful insights and um, hard experiences. 
And as well as, you know, I love um, the different ideas and, and ways of modalities that you have used and continue to use as we come towards the end of our discussion of healing the inner child and moving into forgiveness. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, let's say that, you know, forgiveness is it's not for the other person or the parent or the abuser, you know, just as you stated earlier, forgiveness is for you um, so that you don't have to carry the extra burden or weight of, you know, all these heavy aspects, emotions, things or faulty belief systems that you might be carrying about the situation about yourself. And it's about allowing that inner child and all the aspects of yourself to heal from his or her wounds or trauma, to realize that you're beautiful and lovable and perfect the way you are because you're a child of the divine. And that means you're perfect. And that, you know, the unconditionally loving universe is always there for you. I love that. Thank you so much, Colleen. And thank you for uh, spending this time with me again today. Thank you so much for having me, Patrice. I really appreciate your ability to to share really authentically um, experiences that you've had that were difficult, but these experiences are what have helped you throughout life to shift into healing and to cause you to look outside of yourself and to discover truly for yourself, as you just stated, that you are a divine being, a divine child of the universe and um, that you have purpose and beauty. And I so appreciate your message as I hope, as I hope, and I know my listeners will as well. So thank you, Colleen. It's been wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you, Patrice. And thank you to my listeners here. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Shift Happens. You'll see also before we close, I just want you to know in the show notes, you'll see there is information. (laughs) 